welcome to Tech Law Talks. I am Anthony Diana, a member of Reed Smith's Tech and Data Group. In each episode of this podcast, we will discuss cutting-edge issues on technology, data, and the law. We will provide practical observations on a wide variety of technology and data topics to give you quick and actionable tips to address the issues you are dealing with every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of our EU channel of the Reed Smith Tech Law Talks podcast. In today's episode, we will discuss the legal framework of electronic marketing communications. This is mainly around marketing emails. This is Christian Leutner and Andy Splitgaber from the Reed Smith Tech and Data team in Germany. Marketing consent is an evergreen in Europe, before GDPR and now during GDPR. The legal framework in Europe consists of the data protection laws and spamming laws. For data protection, it is GDPR and its local implementation laws. For spamming laws, these are the local EU member state laws implementing the European e-privacy directive of 2002. So all in all, the standard is fairly uniform across Europe. Also, local specialities apply. Christian. Can you briefly explain when which laws apply? Thank you, Andy. And first of all, hello, everyone. Let's start with the GDPR. The GDPR applies if the controller or processor, in our case, the organization responsible for the marketing communications, let's call the marketing organization for now, is based in Europe. If the marketing organization is based outside Europe and offers goods and services to data subjects in Europe, GDPR also applies. So, for example, an Irish marketing organization has to comply with GDPR when it sends marketing messages to recipients in Europe and also outside Europe. An US entity, as a non-European organization, has to comply with GDPR only if the organization sends email newsletters to recipients in Europe and expects that the recipients are based there. Applicability of spamming laws is a bit different. However, in result, often in line with GDPR. Here, the market location principle applies, which means that a marketing organization has to comply with the applicable spamming laws of the market or markets it is addressing. If, for example, the Irish entity wants to market products to customers in Ireland, Germany, Spain, and France, the organization has to comply with the spamming laws of these four countries. Same applies for the US entity. As all of these laws are based on the European e-privacy directive, these laws are, however, very similar across Europe. But sometimes it's not easy to find a one-size-fits-all approach. Got it. So two legal regimes, and we can say both apply depending on where the addressed recipients of the marketing communication is based. Both legal regimes also align with each other. If spamming laws require consent, this consent also covers GDPR consent. If spamming laws do not require consent, GDPR also usually does not require consent. However, as often in law, exceptions apply. GDPR clearly states, for example, that marketing can be a legitimate interest to process personal data, but spamming laws only see very few cases where marketing is possible without explicit consent. Generally, across Europe, one can say that electronic marketing communications usually require consent, 
unless the recipient recently has purchased similar products or services in the past, or, and we see this more and more, commercial communications are part of a contractual arrangement between the marketing organization and the recipient of the message. If this contractual arrangement includes, for example, informing the members about news and products or services. A customer loyalty program, for example, could be one of such contractual arrangements. Now, if consent is required, Christian, what are the issues marketing organizations typically face in Europe? Yeah, we typically see a couple of issues. There are, do consent declarations expire or are they future-proof? What form must a consent have? For example, can consent be online or do we need to have a separate checkbox for consent? What details must the consent language include? Can consent be combined with other declarations? For example, a 10% discount for the next purchase if you subscribe to the newsletter. Okay, that's a number of topics. Let's briefly go through each of them. First one, how long are marketing consents valid and how can they be made future-proof? As a rule of thumb, marketing consents are valid for around 18 months, if not used. If the marketing organization sends out marketing during that time, this 18-month period starts again. So we typically advise organizations to send at least one marketing message per year to their users. Any consent, new or old, must cover the relevant activities. For example, a consent that covers email marketing for furniture cannot be broadened to cover marketing when the marketing organization decides to market also IT equipment. A new consent would need to be obtained. In practice, we see that organizations work with opt-out solutions and tell users to say no if they do not agree to an expansion of scope of the consent. For example, if they do not want to receive marketing for IT equipment in our example. However, this is a very practical approach that is not fully supported by law or case law. A better approach is to draft marketing consent language a bit broader from the start to then cover communications that are in planning status or might come up in a couple of years. Another big topic is the form of the consent. Can you tell us a little, Andy, about this topic and maybe explain what is express, what is opt-in, what is opt-out, and what does double opt-in stands for? Sure. The consent can be written or in electronic format. There is no special form requirement. But since implementation of GDPR, an opt-in that is actively checking or accepting is required almost everywhere. Objecting against marketing communications, a so-called opt-out or sometimes soft opt-in, is no longer sufficient in context of electronic marketing communications. In any case, organizations must be able to prove that consent was obtained. We therefore recommend written consent or electronic consent with an electronic protocol. Now, a German speciality that has spread out to all of Europe recently is the so-called double opt-in mechanism. This means that the user gives two opt-ins. The first on the website when signing up for the newsletter. The user then receives a confirmation email and is only signed up for the newsletter after the user has confirmed the email address by activating this link. This is the second opt-in. 
This ensures that, for example, I don't sign up with your email address, Christian, and you start receiving emails you never ordered because I cannot confirm the receipt of the email into your postbox. The confirmation link should be active for around two or three days. If the user does not activate in this time window, the data provided during signup must be deleted by the marketing organization. It is possible to combine the consent with other declarations or consents, but only to a very limited extent. And the legal situation is anything but clear. Theory and practice are very far apart here. For example, data protection authorities require two checkboxes for consent to newsletter and consent, for example, to Facebook custom audience. I must confess that I have not seen such separation in practice very often, which user says explicitly, yes, on top of the newsletter, I confirm that I want that social media platforms check my email address against their database and serves personal ads to me when I'm on the social media platform. Yes, very true. But there's at least some case law that supports newsletter and participation and a raffle can be combined, right? Yeah, that's right. What about combining consent with other declarations? And can users be awarded for consenting? For example, 10% of the next purchase if you subscribe to the newsletter? Listen, that's a very tricky area. Very often it's case-by-case -case assessment. The question is, is it okay to combine the declarations or have the user such a strong interest in receiving the other service that their choice for one of the declarations is not free anymore. It really depends on the other service or benefit here. If the other service is that important or if the benefit for subscribing to a service is that high that users make decisions they would reasonably not do otherwise, it might be too much. In any case, it is important that a consent language includes all necessary details so that the recipient has a good understanding of what will be sent. For example, it is not enough to say, I consent to receive commercial emails. The consent must at least provide details on the marketing organization, type of communications, for example, email, text message or telephone, topics of the communications, reference to the right to withdraw as the details required to be provided under the privacy policy. The core information must be provided next to the checkbox. Only additional information and details, like the privacy policy, can be linked. Thanks. So we're all set now. And if organizations want to also merge the website usage data, for example, collected by cookies with the marketing preferences, it gets even more complicated. In essence, however, Stay calm, this is possible with a well-thought-through marketing consent and a thought-through cookie consent. If both are transparent, the obstacles are not too high. Yes, brings us back to the e-privacy regulation. This regulation will cover both topics, cookies and other trackers or technologies on the one hand, and also commercial electronic communications on the other hand. But Let's see if this regulation will ever be finalized. Thank you. This was today's episode of our EU channel of the Reed Smith Tech Law Talks podcast. We thank you for listening. Please leave feedback and comments in the comments field or send us an email. We hope to welcome you soon for our next episode. Have a nice day. 
Law Talks is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Allie McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's tech and data practice, please email techlawtalks at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and reedsmith.com, and our social media accounts at reedsmithllp on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. All rights reserved.